Good morning, everyone. I love hearing all the chatter, everyone connecting. Go ahead and grab a seat. It is so good to be in this place with you. Um, if you're here in person, welcome. It's uh, good to worship with you. If you're joining us online, there's, there's many of us who are tuning in online. Welcome. I'm really grateful for this technology that allows us to be one church meeting really all over the place, all over our city, getting to worship Jesus together. Um, hey, my name's Adam. I'm part of the teaching team here at Mosaic, and I get to open scripture with you. Um, before we get going, I wanted to give you just a brief update. Last Sunday uh, was our first Sunday of 2022, and if you weren't here, it was kind of a, a unique Sunday for us. We, we stepped out of our current teaching series to talk about uh, cultivating really needed relationships for this year, um, relationships that have a purpose of discipling one another and being Christ-centered. And, and we took some time to really describe what those relationships look like and, and, and how to be intentional in cultivating those and, and growing with one another and really putting that out in front of us as a community in, in 2022. And uh, if you were here, maybe you remember last week, it kind of culminated in a questionnaire that we, we all partook in that, that led us to identify ourselves in one of four areas and relating to these relationships. Some of us said, uh, yes, I have these needed relationships and I'm good to go. And that's awesome. Um, in the weeks to come, we, we might be tapping your shoulder, asking for some advice on, on how you develop those relationships and what are some of the intentional ways you're engaging in those relationships. Um, some of us said, uh, yes, I have the, these relationships, but what do I do now? What do I do with them? How do I create greater intention in them to make them more Christ-centered, to, to, to harness them for growth as a disciple? Uh, some of us identified and said, uh, I really want those relationships, but I could use some help. I could use some coaching in developing these relationships, these needed relationships in my life this year. And uh, there were some of us who said, I want these relationships, but guess what? I'm brand new, and I don't know anyone here. Um, so we took some time last week to identify where we are um, in relation to that, and then created a space, something that we're calling Next Step Labs, where we can come and, and kind of identify where we are and identify what our next step is in cultivating these very needed relationships in our lives. Now, our first one, the first lab was meant to be today after this gathering, um, that has been canceled, postponed for later, um, just with the, the uptick in cases as Omicron is making the rounds around our city. Um, we, we decided to postpone today's, but, but those are going to be coming soon. And we want to create space where we can intentionally this year cultivate these really needed relationships. Other men and women who are, are Christ-centered, who we get to lock arms with and say, hey, this year we're going to grow in our faith with one another. And so I just wanted to give you a quick, quick update to let you know that that is going to be coming soon. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be stepping back now into our series on Luke and Acts. So if you've got your Bible, flip to Luke chapter 2. Um, we are in a teaching series where we are walking through the books of Luke and Acts, um, both written by the same person, written um, to a person named Theophilus to tell them the story of Jesus and to tell them the story of the beginning of the church of Jesus. Very compelling books. And we started this teaching a couple months ago, and we are on Luke chapter 2. So we're kind of taking a slower walk through these books. Um, in contrast to some of the other Gospels, the, the first four books of the New Testament, 
that tell the story of Jesus. Uh, by chapter 2, John and Mark are already into the adulthood of Jesus. And, and you'll find today that, that we are still walking through the arrival of Jesus, kind of on the heels of Advent that we walk through in December. Um, so turn to Luke chapter 2, and as you are turning, um, I'm going to pray for us just for a moment. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to be together uh, in person, to be together online, to worship your name, to know that we have a reason for hope, that we are a people of hope because of you. And I pray today as we open your word that it would come to life in our minds and in our hearts, that you would captivate our attention today and that you would speak to us in only the way that you can. We thank you and we love you in your name. Amen. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to spend some time, maybe a little bit less time than we usually do this morning um, for, for something that's exciting towards the end of this gathering. Uh, but, but as we are turning to Luke chapter 2, i give you a little context of what's happening. Uh, we, we, the last several weeks of, of December, we're walking through the arrival, the advent of Jesus and Luke kind of has a unique perspective because he brings in so many witnesses to the story of the arrival of Jesus. And it's, it's kind of a, a large swath of people, right? There's, there's old, there's young, there's women, there's men. There's people who are even kind of outcasts of society. And all of these people are brought into the story of the arrival of Jesus. And this does a few things for, for you and I as we read this. One we can kind of easily read ourselves into this story, right? The, the arrival of Jesus was announced and testified by, by shepherds who were kind of, of outcasts. It was testified by young people, by old people, by women, by men. We, we can kind of read ourselves into the story, and we can imagine also that you and I are the kind of people God would send Jesus to. The, the, the story doesn't begin in a palace with pristine with all of the, the, the high class in society, it begins with very ordinary people like you and I. And so Luke begins to tell this story, and, and today we're going to read another story, yet another pe- a person who gets to witness and testify this arrival of Jesus when he meets Jesus as a baby. And I will give uh, this simple question as a framework for this passage I'm about to read for us. And it, it, it might be a question that seems seemingly too simple to a- ask. But yet it's completely profound. And it's this question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Now, if you're like me, there's a reflex in my mind, a knee-jerk in my mind to give a quick, simple answer to that. But I want to invite you and I today to really sit in the weight of that question. Who is Jesus? Not the simple answer that we might provide, but the answer that has permeated into our heart that orients the way that we live our lives. Who is Jesus? Here's one person's response. Um, This is the story of a man named Simeon. um, And and Jesus is being brought before him. Um, Jesus has been born. His parents, Mary and Joseph, are preparing to take him to the temple to be consecrated before the Lord because he's their firstborn. This is their customs. And as they walk into the temple, this is what happens. In Luke 2, starting in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen 
the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This amazing scene, Mary and Joseph, and they've already been through a pretty wild story, right? Virgin birth, born in a stable, there's angels, there's shepherds, there's even an unborn baby that testifies to, to, to the lordship of Jesus. They've already had this kind of wild story. They bring this baby Jesus to be consecrated into the temple, and as they're going into the temple, there's a man named Simeon who's going to bless this child. Most scholars believe this to be an older man, um, and, and knowing that this is first century with first century uh, health and dental care. Being older in this time probably meant he looked a little rough. Okay, so I, I can just see this story. They walk in, and here's this man who snatches up their babies, begins not just saying these things, but begins to sing these words out, prophesying who this baby is. What an amazing story. What an amazing thing to think about. He even goes far to say, now that I've beheld this baby, I, I can die in peace. I can die now that I've seen this baby. Is there anything in your mind that when it happens, you'll say, okay, now I can die in peace? Right? Is, there, is there any like, event or, or some wonder, the seven wonders, after you've seen the seven, you're like, okay, now I'm good. There's nothing else in this life for me. I have seen the absolute most. I'm good. I told my wife um, a few weeks ago, when we were watching, we were watching football, we were watching the Arizona Cardinals. They were losing miserably. And I told her, I just want to see them win the Super Bowl before I die. Now, I'm confident of two things. One, that's probably not going to happen in my lifetime, and I've just accepted that. Two, if it does happen, I'm not going to say, okay, now I'm ready to die. I'm just joking. What event would lead us to say, there's nothing else this life has for me? Simeon, behold, he holds this baby. He recognizes who he is. He worships him. And he testifies to his lordship. He beholds him. He worships him. And he tells others. Man, if there's ever a mantra for you and I as Jesus followers to live our spiritual lives, it, it's got to be simply that. That we respond and recognize who Jesus is. That we worship him. And that we testify to the world around us. I have seen with my eyes the salvation from God. He's overflowing with joy and begins to sing this prophecy. Man, it, it almost, as I imagine it in my mind, it almost seems like a silly scene. This old man, probably a little bit toothless, dancing around, singing with this baby. This baby that God had delivered to them as their savior. And I'm around kids quite a bit. I, I have three daughters, and if you've ever been around little kids with big emotions, sometimes they break out into song. It's kind of a wonderful experience, like when they're really happy, and they'll just start making up little songs and singing, or sometimes when they're really sad or frustrated. We, we have one of these kids. Um, they would get mad if we would tell them no about something, and they would go into the room and sing these laments. My mom is so angry. She told me no, and we would record it, and it's, it's going to be gold someday when we play it back for them. But he's so overcome by this baby, 
not because it's a baby. He's seen babies. But because the Holy Spirit revealed to him, I'm going to show you the salvation of the world, the consolation of Israel, the consolation of all people. And when he saw that baby, the question, who is Jesus, was answered for him in that moment. And he testified and he worshiped this beautiful story. And who is Jesus? This Jesus, this baby that he held, went on to be a man who taught words of eternal life, who invited people, including you and I, into his kingdom, who taught with authority, who demonstrated that authority by raising people from the dead, by healing them. This baby who rose to be a man who was obedient to his father, even to death on the cross, and by the power of the Holy Spirit was raised to life. And because of that resurrection, you and I are invited into an everlasting life. Who is Jesus? Who is this baby? And what we think about Jesus, this answer for us, is absolutely pivotal. And it's a question that we get to ask over and over. There's not a one-time answer that's sufficient for the rest of my life. It's a question that I revisit over and over A.W. Tozer, who was a, an author and a preacher, he, he says this about this question. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And what a fascinating concept. We might be tempted to think the most important thing about us is our achievements. Or, or maybe our reputation. Or maybe that we were kind-hearted towards people or good towards people. But, but A.W. Tozer challenges us. And he says, the most important thing about you is actually how you answer this question. Who is Jesus? And to wrestle further and further into that question. Who is Jesus? Because we, like Simeon, are invited to see something more grand. And I love the songs that we were singing just a moment ago. Songs with lyrics that sing that say things like, he turns uh, graves into gardens. That, that he is the God that can do these things. That can take the dead parts of my life, the wounded parts of my life, even the shameful parts of my life, and turn them into lush, fruitful gardens. Am, am I oriented around that Jesus? Is that my answer for who this Jesus is? Listen, listen to these words in John 15. Simeon is responding to Jesus because the Holy Spirit has revealed to him that, that this is who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. John 15, 26 says this. When the advocate comes, and this is Jesus speaking, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. God has sent his Spirit to all humanity to testify who Jesus is before you and I so that we get to sit with this question over and over again who is this Jesus and am I orienting my life around who I believe he is it's one thing to have a, a, a rote answer for that question or, or to to say I, I believe in Jesus but 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 it's one of a, amongst the many things that I believe rather than to like Simeon say this my eyes have beheld, this is the Savior of the world. This is God's provision for the consolation of Israel 
and for all people. I had an, uh, an opportunity, this was probably 15, 16 years ago, and I, I just remembered this um, several weeks ago, um, but, but I was living in Albuquerque at the time, and um, Bob Dylan was on tour coming to Albuquerque. And I'm kind of an old soul with music, and I grew up listening to Bob Dylan and loved his music. Me and my mom kind of had that in common, and he was coming to tour in Albuquerque, and I called up my mom. I was like, Mom, we got to go see him. Who knows how much longer this guy's going to be around. He had some hard years in the 60s. It's now or never, and ironically, he's, he's, he's still around. Let's go. And so we, we bought our tickets, and we go, and it was such a fun time. Merle Haggard opened the show, and people were clapping, and it was fun. Big auditorium, and then it was time for Bob Dylan to start, and it, it was a wild scene. Um, we were in this room of people who are at, much older than me at that time, lawyers, doctors, school teachers, respectable people of society, all of a sudden, all became hippies. It was a wild scene. The room was filling with smoke, and the smoke machines were not on. I was worried for my mom. And, and, and we were there, and it's this wild experience, and we're looking at the platform, and, and there's a reason, a very practical reason that there is a platform, right? It's, it's so that everyone can see what's uh, this person on the platform, if there's someone tall in front of you, you need that person to be elevated. And so it's, it's this elevated place so that, that we can all see what's going on. And, and all of a sudden, this like ton, like scores of musicians start to take the stage. There's tons of guitarists, like three piano players, all these singers. And, and it took me a while to even identify, where is Bob Dylan? He was kind of in the middle of them, and he was facing off to the side. I couldn't really hear him. And it would be like a minute into every song to realize, I, I think this is the song we're playing. It was so convoluted on that platform, we couldn't actually tell what voice was his. And I think that's intentional. I think that was the point. Um, at that point in his career, his music abilities had kind of slid a bit. But when we think about our own hearts, there is a place where this Jesus that Simeon beheld is meant to be enthroned in our hearts. And in that place, there is meant to be nothing else. On that platform, that place that we look at and orient our lives around is meant to be nothing else but Jesus. That he becomes the Lord of our lives, that we orient everything else around. There's lots of good things. There's lots of good causes, there, there, things that we want to see in the world, things that we want to change. But, but those things are not meant for that throne in our heart. Ultimately, they'll leave us disappointed. Simeon testifies. You and I are invited to respond and testify. This Jesus, our answer to this question is that he is the son of God sent to you and I. He is the remedy for all humanity to be reconciled to our God, to have this life everlasting. This is the invitation as we read this beautiful story of Simeon holding this baby. Something else I want us to glean from this story, though. At this point, Simeon is along in years, and it says that he has been waiting. That he has been waiting for the consolation, the, the, the reconstruction of Israel. And it can be easy for us to read this handful of verses and say, oh, what a cool story for him. Man, he got to hold that baby, and that was his life crescendo at that point. He was ready to die. Wow, what an amazing story. But we don't walk through the decades of his life waiting. 
think some of us, we know what it means to wait. We might be sitting here, we might be sitting at home today, and our question is this, wait, wait, where's my consolation? And I am in this place in life that feels broken. I am in this place in life where my faith is difficult. And I've experienced that for myself. I I turned 40 this last year, and I can tell you with wisdom and age, or wisdom that come with age, there's also opportunity for more cynicism. And it feels like faith was much easier when I was 20 than when I'm 40. You might be asking that question, where is my consolation? Yet Simeon demonstrates for us in his behavior a willingness to be faithful and to remain I'm going to read these words out of Psalm 27. What's, what's really cool about these words is that these are words that, that Simeon would have likely read and probably encouraged him. I hope that they encourage you and I. This is Psalms 27, starting in verse 13. This is a psalm from David. I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. We're looking for our consolation as we're sitting sometimes in questions, maybe even pain, maybe even turmoil, waiting for the full reality of Jesus to be present in our lives. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Simeon was given this beautiful reward. It was after a lifetime of waiting. Invitation for you and I to answer this question, who is Jesus? To have confidence and to say, even in the midst of my human experience, as I'm going through difficulty, pain, trial, I can be steadfast. I can take heart and orient my life and my hope to the fact that Jesus is everlasting. And that at some point there will be a day where I get to be face to face with him. Our, our band is, is going to come back up. And I want to invite us um, to do something very specific. I, maybe this will feel like a challenge even to some of us. Simeon, when he beholds this baby, he's been waiting for this moment. And when he holds this baby, a song erupts out of his heart. These words erupt out of his heart. This recognition of who Jesus is to him erupts out of his heart. I want to invite you, I want to challenge you today or in the days to come to sit down and think of the words you would say if you were face to face with Jesus. The song that would erupt out of your heart. To put those words to paper and to say, God, this is my answer. Jesus, this is who you are. This is the song of my heart because my eyes have seen Eyes have seen the salvation sent from God. Simeon goes on in the next few verses, and he continues to prophesy about Jesus. He says that, that, that Jesus is going to, this, this question that we're talking about, who is Jesus, this question is going to be before all humanity, and there's going to be some that, that, that answer this question and say, yes, he is Lord. There's going to be some that do not. And, and he goes on to, to begin to point towards the cross, that ultimately This baby who Simeon is holding is going to face death and the cross. And it's one of the ways that we remember Jesus. And it's why we take communion.
So this morning, as, as the band is, is going to lead us in, in more music, and we're going to sing, and then we're going to have an opportunity to, to hear a video from, from Tim as we're stepping into now and next, I want to just for a moment stop and in this moment of taking communion to recognize who Jesus is. It's not gloss over a quick, simple, knee-jerk answer, but to really sit with this answer that's permeating our hearts beyond our intellect, but what we believe, who we believe Jesus is in our lives. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that, that we have stories in your living word that point to Jesus over and over again. And for that reason, we are people of hope. And we take these, these elements that represent Jesus' body broken, his blood spilt for us, and bringing even a more complete answer to that question, who is Jesus? He is our Savior. He is our healer. So this morning in worship, we take these elements remembering who you are. And we thank you and we love you in your name.